Welcome to ASME Chatcast, bringing you the innovators, the innovations, and the issues that push the envelope of engineering. I'm Louise Poirier, Senior Editor at Mechanical Engineering Magazine. Today, we're joined by Tom Kerfis, a professor and the Husker Ramirez Distinguished Chair in Fluid Power and Motion Control in the George W. Woodruff School of Mechanical Engineering at the Georgia Institute of Technology. He's also a member of the ASME Board of Governors. Tom, welcome. Hey, thank you, Louise. Nice to be here. I'd also like to thank Fictive for sponsoring today's podcast. Fictive is your operating system for custom mechanical parts, whether it's precision CNC machining, injection molding, 3D printing, or urethane casting. Fictive offers instant quotes, experienced manufacturing guidance, and best-in-class service while delivering tight tolerance parts at ridiculous speeds. Think Fictive when you need complex parts fast. Go to Fictive.com to learn more. Today, we're going to discuss a growing issue in engineering education. Manufacturing has seen a solid resurgence over the last decade, and the adoption of digital technologies has transformed the industry. Engineering education must also adapt and find a way to ensure that the workforce of tomorrow has the right skills and can take full advantage of advanced manufacturing platforms. Um, Tom, can you give us a sense of what the current situation is and where things stand on both the education and industry sides? Yeah, so so I mean I think the current situation is we certainly have a lot of our you know technology that's been historically there. You think about things like machine tools, lathes and mills that sort of you know provide it's it's almost like comfort food, but it's comfort manufacturing to mechanical engineers. But but a lot of those systems have, have now really advanced. And so you've got highly automated systems, you've got robotic systems that are loading and unloading these machines, uh, you have additive manufacturing, 3D printing. So you've got a lot of new capabilities that are coming online. And, and simultaneously, you, you also have uh, you know, a lot of good opportunities, let's say that digital connectivity uh, provides to you. So, so it, it, the, the plant and the machine and the process level, you've got great opportunities, but I think also in the supply chain and the overall ecosystem, you've got great opportunities. And, and I have to say, it's just super high tech. If, if, if you haven't been to a, a car plant, you know, it's sort of unfortunate. Everybody thinks Model T, right? And they go look at those Model T movies and so forth. I mean, that's over a hundred years ago. I mean, we did a special on that uh, several years ago on on, on the Model T. Um, you go to a car plant today, and it's awesome. Uh, I mean, you know, and and so I think that these are the types of things that that are really coming out. It's super high tech. It's a great place to work. Uh, in in it's got a very bright future. Well, let's talk about this panel that you were part of. So, so last year you were part of an expert panel convened by the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine to help solve this problem. Um, and that panel addressed how American industry could best take advantage of new manufacturing technologies, which resulted in a report called Infusing Advanced Manufacturing into Undergraduate Engineering Education. Um, can you tell us about this effort and what some, some of the key findings were? Sure. So, so basically, uh, this particular effort, and it was sponsored by the Office of Secretary of Defense, uh, was really to take a look at, yeah, how do we move manufacturing forward? How do we make sure that our this particular one focused on four-year institutions? Uh, but, but really, there's a lot to be gleaned uh, for. I mean, even some of the engineering courses that we might see in high schools, but certainly some of our, our community colleges or technical colleges where we have two-year associate degree. Um, but but the idea really was, look, we're moving things forward. And you could imagine, um, you know, if, if you're taking a look at defense, you've got, in fact, one of the examples is, is the F-35. So you've got systems like the F-35 that are, are they're unbelievably high tech. 
And we're using, you know, really next generation processes and capabilities to, to move these things forward. And how do we make sure that, that our engineers in our manuf manufacturing engineers, mechanical engineers, industrial engineers, I mean, electrical, everybody across the board understands not only some of the new processes, but, but a good interpretation of, of some of the older processes that are out there. And look, if it's good for the F-35, I've got to say, it really works. We can go to commercial aircraft, we can go to automotive and so forth. So a lot of the technology that's that's out there really at the leading edge rapidly makes its way to production operations because frankly speaking, it gives you a better product and you know, and, and you could make it at, at, at a reduced cost of sort of much more efficiently and effectively. So how do we make sure that the engineers that are coming out today are capable in this area? And by the way, simultaneously, as we do that, also making sure that the engineers that are currently out there, they're the manufacturing personnel that are currently out there, uh, have an opportunity to get spun up on the latest technology. Right. So how do we do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there, there are a number of recommendations, uh, of course, in the report, and I would encourage people to uh, you know, to go and look up the report and read it. It's I, I think it's some pretty good reading, and that's got a lot of detailed recommendations. And I'm I'm sure there'll be a long a link somewhere. But I think if you just Google the title, and as you already mentioned, Louise, infusing advanced manufacturing into the undergraduate engineering education, um, you know, into undergraduate engineering education. Excuse me. Um, I, I think it'll be pretty easy to find. You can download it. It doesn't cost you anything to download and so forth. Um, but but really, you know, to to me, a lot of the findings are well, you know. Couple of critical ones. Look, we need to have colleges, universities working together with industry and government to make sure that that we. So, look, I'm putting my my you know my my professor a little pointy hat on there. Um, oh, you can't see the video. This is only audio. But uh, anyways, but 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 the reality is, um, you know, we need to make sure that we understand what industry needs are in you know, and what's out there and what's available and so forth. Um, you know, even things like, and, and by the way, industry also needs to understand what's coming down the pike. I was talking to a colleague of mine who teaches programming and he said, yeah, I, I gave my programming homework to ChatGPT and ChatGPT nailed it. Said, hey, give me a program to do this. And ChatGPT came back. Um, you know, so does that mean we're gonna get rid of programmers? I, I don't think so, but it's gonna be a tool that helps make them more efficient. I was talking to another colleague the other day that said, hey, I asked ChatGPT to program my CNC machine tool, and ChatGPT came back and said, well, I'm going to need some more information, uh, which, again, makes sense because you need domain expertise and so forth. So, so really what we should be looking at is, yes, how do we use some of these new tools? Maybe it's AI, maybe it's virtual reality or augmented reality, whatever it might be, cloud operations and so forth. How do we bring these new tools all together to make our workforce more efficient and, and to really ensure that, that we're moving forward on the advanced manufacturing side? So, so it's going to be partnering. Uh, some of it really talks about, hey, can we get people from industry to spend some time at universities and get them spun up and so forth? Um, can we get faculty members and students to spend maybe summers out in industry and sort of see what's going on and so forth. And, and by the way, this is not only good in terms of just technology exchange, but it's also great in terms of providing the pipeline uh, you know, to these industries. I, I mean, I, I think you hear Louise left and right, oh, you know, we need more people in this area and so forth. And so if comp companies work very hard to have really good connections with universities so they can hire those students. And so here's another opportunity to strengthen that. So, so it's there's a lot of exchange, there's a lot of understanding of what's going on. Uh, and frankly speaking, from a faculty perspective, when I'm lecturing my students, 
You know, I mean, I have to say it, it's really exciting to have a, you know, 12th order nonlinear differential equation up there. You know, there's nothing quite like it for a professor. But but the reality, actually, and I'm, of course, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, math is great uh, and so forth. Um, but really talking about what what we see industry is using this for. Yep, here's this great process. Here's what we're learning about. And, and here's how it's used in industry to move things forward. So the students really link these things together. Um, so really a, a great opportunity all the way from the students. And the last thing I'll mention is, is even looking at retired industry individuals who are saying, hey, I'm retiring and we have something called, for example, professor of the practice. Come in, uh, you know, and, and maybe teach a course or two or work with the students. It's, you know, and, and it's just something that you might do in retirement to basically spread your wisdom. And we really see a lot of industry people who are now coming back to universities and, and really having a great time. And again, it's it's not a 40 hour a week job. It might be it might be a day a week, a half a day a week, a couple of half days a week, but but really that engagement. So it's sort of that one-on-one -on -one engagement in, in really a bi-directional manner. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to see some of the folks who who have left the industry come back. That's um, that's a great idea. Let's also talk about some of the technology specifically. Something that's really fantastic that you mentioned in in that article that you co-authored for the April May issue of Mechanical Engineering Magazine was that advanced manufacturing has somehow become synonymous with one technology, which is additive, additive manufacturing or 3D printing. Can you give us some examples of, of other kinds of advanced manufacturing technologies that engineering students are going to need to be familiar with going forward? I know you mentioned a couple like AI, stuff like that. So, so what else is out there? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, really, there's this whole toolbox uh, that that's out there. I mean, for example, one of the things, of course, that we use left and right is a spreadsheet program, you know, something like Excel, um, that if, if you went back, you know, 30, 35, 40 years ago, you didn't have Excel out there. I think I think one of the earlier ones was Lotus one, two, three. Um, but but you didn't even have the spreadsheets and so forth. And now you see everybody's using spreadsheets, I mean, in industry and so forth. Um, you know, you go up to a robot, you go up to a machine tool, it, it's it's got a Microsoft front end interface. And yeah, I mean, Excel is 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 right there. It, and so a lot of it is just, yeah, there are commodity capabilities that are out there. So all of the high-performance cloud computing, cloud storage, and so forth that you can use out there um, that are just available. And so much of what we do today, so when we teach programming, we don't just teach programming, but we say, yeah, this is how you might use something like Microsoft Azure, you know, out there, you know, or Amazon Web Services and so forth. So people understand, oh, yeah, I can use this and, and sort of make use of it. So certainly a lot of the high-performance computing that sounds you know, well, it's just sort of super high end, but it's pretty much rolled into programming today. Uh, mechatronics, you know, is is another one. It's it's a little bit, but I would say so many people might say, well, that's been around for 20 years or so and so forth. It's true, but I mean, I'll tell you, the mechanical engineers are doing a lot of the mechatronics, and electrical engineers have moved off into sort of different fields. But electromechanical systems, uh, using a lot of the chips, I mean, stuff that's used out there today is Arduino, Raspberry Pi. I mean, if 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 you're either in high school or junior high, you have a, a you know a child that's that's in high school, junior high, and working you know a little bit in this area, you know yeah they're familiar with these. I mean, an Arduino it's got more memory and more computing horsepower than what we used to put Neil Armstrong on the moon, right? And so yeah, just how do you use some of these commodity tools? Um, and then there's a lot of visualization. I mentioned augmented reality, virtual reality. Look, I got to be in a shop uh, and I got to wear my safety glasses anyway. So. What if those glasses were there and they helped you? Hey, you know, we got to change the tool and it highlights the tool in the machine that needed to be changed. I mean, it, it's not unlike, think about if, if you've ever had a, um, a copy machine or, or even a printer that has a little LCD display. When there's a jam, 
The thing is smart enough to say, open this door and off you go. If you don't have that little display, you know, then you're like, okay, where do I go and how do I do it in the whole bit? But the display is great because you open the door, you pull the piece. And I, I think we've probably all been there. I pull out the paper in my printer that's got the jam. I close the door up and then it comes back and says, oh, no, there's still a piece of paper in there, right? So, I mean, it just, I mean, otherwise you're like, why is this thing working? I reboot it and the whole bit. So again, just sort of how you interface with the machines and, and, and really get things moving along. Um, even on a machine controller, programming them. So now you can actually watch in virtual reality what your robot is going to do, make sure it's not going to do anything really crazy and so forth. So there's a lot of technology that's out there. A lot of it's integrated into the digital thread. Um, and, you know, digital thread is awesome. I, I mean, it just as an example, just an everyday example, you go and check, uh, you know, check if it's going to rain. Well, you're tying into data, like terabytes of data being beamed down from NOAA satellites, you know, down to that are integrated with Doppler ground-based radar into the latest supercomputing models from NOAA to tell you whether to bring an umbrella or not, or should I wear a coat or not. And, and, and it's the same thing here. We have access to it, but how things are going to be moving along is it's not just going to be, well, I got to punch numbers in on a keyboard. I'm now going to be starting to use my smartphone or my tablet. I tell you, voice command, you know, things like, I don't want to say your name because she's going to start responding over here off of my desk. But, you know, one of those one of those Amazon, uh, we might say Echo products, um, it doesn't work too well in the factory because it's kind of a noisy situation. But but still, a lot of great ways to interface and, and really augment the human. So we say AI, AI, people say artificial intelligence, I say augmented intelligence. So how are we going to make the human being better, make their life cooler and so forth? So those are just some of the things that we think about. Now, I'm kind of curious to know what, what you're seeing in terms of response to this issue, you know, among your students, among fellow faculty, um, you know, are, are, are folks realizing that this is an issue at the moment or do we need to like bring more awareness to it? So, so I think, I think that many individuals realize that, that this is, um, <clears throat> you know, this is an issue. I would tell you, we, we just had a bunch of students, prospective students coming by and, and they were all, these are, these are prospective graduate students, so they're seniors. Uh, and a lot of them were were working in data analytics, AI, and so forth. So they might have a you know major's mechanical, but a minor in computer science, which, by the way, I think is is awesome because you've got that domain knowledge, but you also have the computer knowledge, so that you can sort of integrate those two together. Um, and so, from I think from the student perspective, they get it and they see where the opportunities are. Um, I, I think faculty perspective, you know, there's a little bit of concern. Well, gosh, uh, let's just go back to ChatGPT. Is that going to be doing my homework? I think we've got to really turn around and kind of reformulate, you know, what we're teaching and so forth. I think we still need the fundamentals. You must understand the fundamentals, um, you know. But but the reality is, it's it's sort of like in the '70s when we went from from slide rules to calculators. I mean, now <laughs> students bring in calculators and and so forth to exams, and, and nobody thinks twice about it. And, and and you really design your exams, you design your homework and so forth for these types of, you know, for these types of things. So nowadays, instead of saying, well, I mean, again, imagine, instead of saying, hey, program something in Python, like an ask ChatGPT to do it, I might really say, well, let's go to something like a machine tool and say, well, program this. And, but feel free to use ChatGPT to do the programming, because that's, kind of wrote, but you're going to have to give it the key information, which means you're going to need to understand how all of these things come together. So I, I think people are, are really starting to get it. Uh, and, well, for example, in manufacturing, they are seeing it. I think the word is starting to get it out. The manufacturing is super high tech. 
Um, a lot of manufacturing, of course, is, is coming back to the United States just because of some of the supply chain issues that we've been seeing. Uh, and so I, I think that uh, there's a pretty bright future in there. But but once again, we got to make sure that we stay on the leading edge. Um, I, I think a key problem is just that technology is advancing so rapidly um, you know, that, that we've just got to make sure we we keep up with that technology uh, and, and, and not only do we keep up with it in our education, but in doing so, we can then send out well-trained engineers to implement that technology in, in U.S. manufacturing operations. So then where do we go from here? What do you hope to see in the short term, you know, next two to five years and then and more long term? If you take a look at the report and so forth, I mean, part of it is, yes, let's get industry and universities working together. Um, you know, let's I, I think a couple of we've got to get industry universities working together. So so, you know, the researchers that are out there and by the way, we should be rolling in national labs and and, and so forth, because there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of work going on across the board. But but really to make sure that that our research that's going on is, is helping to move forward some of the critical issues. You know, from, from an academic side, some people say, well, scaling up technology uh, you know, is not fundamental, but I can tell you there are plenty of good fundamental problems. It's one thing to make a single prototype. It's another thing to scale it up and make millions uh, you know, uh, you know, of something. Um, and so there are plenty of good fundamental problems out there. So, so making sure that we've got a lot of collaboration between industries and universities um, and you know, again, I'm I'm pretty heartened by this because I, I think industry gets that they want to be collaborating with universities and, and vice versa because it's just it's just beneficial all the way around. There really is no downside there. Plus, in terms of the workforce, it sort of gets that supply chain, you know, in terms of the workforce out there because it helps to make some of the connections and so forth. I, I think a couple of other things that I do see going on is is you're going to be talking about how do we how do we make the technology accessible. I mentioned the fact that, you know, the NOAA supercomputing models and getting all the data from the satellite. I mean, my 83-year-old mother is is doing that, right? And, and she's not spun up on a lot of this technology and so forth, but she takes her her smartphone and she makes use of it. So so how do we it, and by the way, it's it's just the skill set that 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 people learn. So how do we make that technology more available? I mean, I think that this is going to be a good chunk of what our students are going to have to be trained for is, yep, there's getting understanding technology, know how to apply it, but then know how to engage the workforce. Uh, people talk about the lights out factory. I mean, I can tell you, yes, there are some where if you have three shifts, the, the third shift is, um, you know, is the one where you don't have very many people, but you spend a lot of the second shift loading up and programming the machines. The machines run, hopefully nothing goes wrong over that third shift. Uh, so you don't have to bring people in to fix things. And then this first shift comes in and they spend a good chunk of time unloading the machines and working with the machines and so forth. And so how do you how do you do that effectively? I think the other thing that we really are seeing, and, and I hope we continue on, is to understand that manufacturing is, I mean, it's just cool. So number one, I mean, what's always been cool is I've been able to, I can make things. You know, here's a design, here's something we, we say, you know, on, on, on paper, you know, now of course it's on it's on your screen. But but I can now and I, I can take this thing that I've designed and I can make it and I can have an impact on the world, especially if I can make millions of them. And whether we're talking, you know, automobiles, uh, whether we're talking, um, you know, uh, food products and packaging and so forth, that's all part of manufacturing. Whether we're talking, uh, you know, biomedical, pharmaceuticals and so forth, vaccines. I mean, we've got to scale these things up. Um, you know, it's. It, that, that's a big thing, right? I mean, if you take a look at what is it, the mRNA vaccine, right? I, if you read the articles, it took, I don't know, 
a few weeks, couple of months maybe to come up with a vaccine, but then it took another year to 18 months to really scale up production of it. So what was the bottleneck? Well, you know, yes, part of it's is it's certification and so forth, but the other part was just scaling up production. So how do we do that better? And, and by the way, you could think about it from an altruistic perspective. Hey, I want to help the world and get stuff out quickly. Or you could think of it from an economic perspective. You know, I got a good product and let me get it on the market before my competition does, right? And let's capture that market space. So, so I mean, I think that's that's where things are going. Key thing though is, is really to come across and say, yeah, manufacturing is, I mean, it really is cool. It's super high tech. Um, you know, these these plants are wonderful to work in. Uh, and and you're, you're, you're really making an impact on some of these things. It does look like we have to call it there. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tom. It's been a great conversation. Great. No, it's, it's really been my pleasure. And, and, and I gotta say, you know, it's just exciting to see, well, how much interest there is in, in manufacturing and so forth. And then again, with this report, manufacturing education, I, I think it really sets us on a path towards ensuring that we do have the workforce to support all the great you know, to provide engineers in this particular case, but but engineers and technicians for all these great jobs that are out there, you know, that basically give you a, a wonderful future. I mean, it's really, I'll tell you, you go into manufacturing and you stay, you stay spun up on the technology and you've got a great future ahead of you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll be continuing the conversation in another episode of ASME TechCast in the coming months. So please look forward to part two. Thanks again to Fictive for sponsoring today's podcast. And in the meantime, if you'd like to hear more great conversations on a wide range of engineering topics, please subscribe to ASME TechCast on your podcast platform of choice. I'm Louise Bourdier. Thanks so much for listening.